Hey, you came back this week. Okay then, let's speak more geek. This is the Geek Speak Show. Get ready to speak geek. Featuring interviews with the movers and shakers in geek culture. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. I'm not a fact sheet. Hey, this is Todd McFrank. I'm Zach Whedon. Hi, this is George Genty. The Geek Speak Show is powered by GeekTyrant.com, GameTyrant.com, MightyVille.com, Ramascreen.com, and Zergnet.com. Geek is spoken here. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching with your ears. Oh, just listen. Here are the hosts of the Geek Speak Show, Henry San Miguel and Rachel Rossini. Well, just me this week, everybody else, including Rachel, is uh, still recuperating from WonderCon. At least that's the excuse they're giving me this week. Welcome to the Geek Speak Show, just a solo show, sort of. I do have a lot of guests coming up, so let's get started. First of all, those of you who are big like me, Marvel Comics fans, you'll know the name Steve Lealoha. He's going to be on with our own Mark Arnold on the stories behind the stories. You're going to hear that just around the corner here. And then we're going to hear from the Legacy Music Hour host. It's a podcast, pretty cool podcast about video games heard on the Nerdist channel. And then the Toy Hunter returns to Travel Channel tonight as we record this on Wednesday night. Travel Channel has a show called The Toy Hunter. The host, Jordan Hembro, he'll be on talking, what else? Toys, collectibles, and what you can expect to see in this new season of Toy Hunter on Travel Channel. So all that's ready to go. Let's take a little break. Let's make room now for Mark Arnold for his stories behind the stories. Here he is with Steve Lealoa. The Geek Speak Show will be right back. The stories behind the stories with Mark Arnold exclusively on The Geek Speak Show. And this is historian Mark Arnold with another installment of the stories behind the stories. And today we're speaking with Steve Lealoa. And Steve is an artist who's worked primarily as an inker. He's worked for both Marvel and DC on various titles, including The New Mutants, Howard the Duck, Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, Star Wars, and more recently, Fables. Um, He's also the longtime partner of artist and writer Trina Robbins, who I had the pleasure of interviewing on a previous episode of this show. I want to thank you, Steve. And uh, today, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in cartooning. Huh, well one of those things where as a kid I was always drawing and and somewhere along the way uh, it occurred to me maybe I could uh, make some of these things myself um, back in 1972 I think I did my first uh, printed comic book first job that I was actually paid for not a whole lot but uh, a nice start, and by 1975, I was hired on to work at Marvel as an inker, and eventually penciling and inking, or variations thereupon. Over the years, I've worked on most of the Marvel and DC titles. Um, let's see. Uh, at Marvel, I worked on Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and the X-Men and Star Wars. I worked on the original. Star Wars adaptation way back when. <laughs> um, and uh, over at DC, I've worked on Superman and Batman. And uh, in the last several years, I've been working on, for mostly the Fables books, doing uh, a little bit of work on Sandman, but mostly uh, Fables. 
mm-hmm. been on that book since the beginning. Fable's been running for ten years now, so it's been quite a quite a nice ride on that one. So, and people still seem to like it. So mm-hmm. that's always always good. What, what do you what do you prefer? Do you prefer penciling or inking or? Uh, I actually like to mix it up. Um, usually, I sort of ink something for you know, six months worth of inking, and then switch over to a few months of penciling and inking. Um, but since I got on Fables, it's such a good book that uh, I've been primarily concentrating on just the inking. Although I did do some penciling on uh, there was a prose. Fables book, and I did the illustrations for that, uh, called Peter and Max. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all written by Bill Willingham, by the way, as I'm sure those who follow it certainly know. <laughs> well, very good. Oh, I want to thank you, Steve, for joining me today. I was just wondering if there's a place where people can see you, or uh, if you have a website or book to plug, besides Fables. <laughs> um. Usually I go to WonderCon in San Francisco, but it's been in Anaheim lately, which is a little hard for me to get to. Uh, but I'm a regular at San Diego convention, and I'll be attending um, the Big Wow convention wow. in San Jose <laughs> in, uh, when is it, March? It's May. <laughs> I have to look that up, May. Yeah, I actually will be thing. attending too. So <laughs> It's a terrific convention. It, 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 it's... Um, it hasn't been on the radar for a lot of people, but they managed to bring in uh, some of the best collection of, uh, well, collection, that's not quite the right word, <laughs> uh, terrific artists from all around the world. I mean, it's just, as for people who like comics, art, it's one of the best around. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a website. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today on the Geek Speak You're Show. Welcome. And if you want to comment on this or anything else uh, on the stories behind the stories, you can email me at mark at thegeekspeakshow.com. You can hear the complete story behind the stories by going to funideas.50webs.com. That's 50webs.com. Funideas.50webs.com. The stories behind the stories. Exclusively on The Geek Speak Show. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick from Things, and you're listening to The Geek Speak Show. Yes, you are listening to the Geek Speak Show. The rest of the gang will be here in just a few minutes. I think they're out getting their books for the book club. That's coming up in just a few minutes. And those of you who like toys, action figures, okay, they're not dolls, action figures, keep listening. In just a few minutes, we'll listen. We'll hear from the Toy Hunter, Travel Channel's Toy Hunter. He will be on here talking toys. What else? But right now, we're going to talk about video games, specifically video game music. It's pretty cool, actually. It's a podcast. Uh, it's called the Legacy Music Hour, hosted by Brent Weinbach and Rob F., and they're both on the phone with me. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, now. How is it going? The party line right now. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to know, actually, and most people want to know, is what first, what is exactly the Legacy Music Hour? So one of you guys take that and tell us exactly what it is. Uh, so it's uh, basically just like, hanging out with us and we're just sharing with you like video game music tracks that we really like that are specifically from the 8-bit and 16-bit era so nintendo super nintendo sega genesis sega master system turbografx 16 
a um, little bit of Neo Geo, some like er, er, early Neo Geo, some earlier, some 80s arcade titles, um, Game Boy, Lynx, Game Gear, Game Gear. Right. I think that I think that covers it, right? So I mean, yeah, that, I think that pretty much covers it, yeah. And uh, you know, yeah, we just we select a handful of tracks for every episode. We have a topic for every episode, um, and we just share them with each other and with the listeners, you know. So that's basically what it is, you know. Just trying to just trying to expose, you know, great tracks and talk about why why they're so great. Yeah, I mean, whose idea was it to do? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of podcasts and blogs out there about video games. Whose idea was it to do it on video game music? Uh, this was uh, Brent had this idea for a long time, and Brent and I have, have been into video game music. Um, both of us have been into to video games. I would say probably Brent has more knowledge about games and music in general. But we were always uh, talking about video games, and. Then one day I had uh, I overheard Brent talking about starting a podcast, and when I heard him talking about it, I suggested that we collaborate on something because I had just bought some equipment, and he liked the idea, so we got together, and uh, we came up with the name Legacy Music Hour, and the rest is history. And why, why yeah, specifically and this era, the 16-bit and 8-bit? Why that era? Um, well... The there's this because of the um, hardware limitations during that time period, comp- uh, composers were forced to approach composing in a really unique way, and it it made it so the music was really unique, and and it it made it uh, so that's why you kind of even without I think even without it sounding like you know like a PSG or or FM synth. Like without having that having that sort of technical sound, you can tell when something is a video game composition from this era because it just has a certain sound. There there really is like an approach to the way it's structured and composed that's really particular to that time period, and it's because of those limitations. So the limitations force them to be to sometimes when there's too much freedom, I think it it it, it leads to a lack of inspiration. But then when there's when you have uh, you know the limitations. It, it's it actually leads to more creativity, and um, I don't know. In in, in as a result, it, every the music sound is very melody driven, and it's very tight, and uh, it's there just it packs a hard punch in a sh- short amount of time because of that. I think so. Um, uh, a- after the 16-bit era, it starts to just become like regular music because the limitations aren't there as much, and uh, so it doesn't it doesn't have that particular kind of melody-driven sound as much after the 16-bit era. So that's why that specific era, you know. Yeah, and if you all want to hear specifically what Brent and Rob are talking about, you guys can go to our link section. It's on there. You guys can hear it on a friend of ours, Chris Hardwick, his Nerdist uh, Network. They're on there also. And you guys have your own website, also the Legacy Music Hour. What, what is what is the website where we can find it? Your You guys' website. LegacyMusicHour.com. And we also take um, phone calls and texts, 281-SONIC-91. Operators are standing by. Yeah, so make sure to call early and often. Uh, how often do you, do you guys uh, post up new shows? We we post uh, a show weekly, and we've done that for uh, it's going to be 127 episodes now, right? Yeah, 127 episodes are up right, uh, right now, and uh, or 20, 128 actually. 128. And um, the uh, and we've been doing it since 2010 every week without fail. You know, you know something, Henry. I think Brett and I have lasted longer than than a lot of marriages. <laughs> yeah. 
At least in Hollywood. I see, I see him on a weekly basis, and it's, it's just been a, an ongoing uh, venture for both Brent and myself. And the lovemaking is still good, too. <laughs> well, I think that's the secret, though. I mean, if you, you see each other, but then you can go away. You know, if you have to live, live, live with each other, then maybe that's, you know, one of them, you guys want to be together now. Sure, sure, right, sure. yeah. <laughs> that helps too. So, so again, we're talking to the Brent Weinbach and Rob after the hosts of the Legacy Music Hour. Um, have you guys? Uh, there's a huge bank of uh, shows that you get, 127 shows you said, but I haven't had a chance to listen to all of them yet. But I will. Have you guys had? A, do, you, do you get a chance to talk to some of the, the the composers from from that era on your on your podcast? Yes, we have. We've done some interviews. Uh, Let's see. Uh, do we, do we do an in-person one with uh, uh, with uh, Jeff Van Dyke? We had Jeff Van Dyke. We had um, can you okay? Jeff Van Dyke did uh, a lot of EA games like FIFA Soccer and Kitchen. Uh, Kitchen. Uh, Coach K. Coach K basketball, college basketball. We had uh, Kenyo Yamashita who uh, composed the original Castlevania. Um, and, and did a bunch of. She worked for Konami for a while and did freelance work. She did a lot of stuff. We also had um, uh, Hirokazu Tanaka, otherwise known as Hip Tanaka, who did uh, Metroid and Kid Icarus, and he did music for Earthbound, and he did a bunch of other stuff. He's like one of the original, like video game composers, actually. Like in gen- in general, he, you know, he's one of the original Nintendo guys and also just one of the original just video game guys. What? And we, and, Oh yeah. So I was gonna say, why 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 call it the Legacy Music Hour? What what is what's behind the name? Yeah, you know, well, Rob Rob came up with the title actually. Go go ahead. Well, well, I used to work as a computer tech, and in the in the early, no, in the late '90s and early 2000s when it was really hot, and we the term for outdated hardware was always Legacy Hardware for older hardware. So I thought this was older music, and some might consider the systems outdated. Uh, and when we started the podcast, you know, it's certainly true at the time. Not a lot of people were playing NES or SNES or Genesis. Uh, so I thought legacy would be a great a great term. And since our, our podcast is just about an hour, sometimes a little longer, uh, but just about an hour, I thought the Legacy Music Hour would be a fitting name. Yeah, and I, I actually, I really liked the the name they came up with. That. I, I didn't even know that that was, they were, our old hardware was referred to as legacy hardware. Yeah, me either. I, I just learned that right now from Rob. Yeah, but I also just like like the sound of it because Legacy, it has a, I don't know, maybe it's just because there's this, um, there's this album from 1975 called Electronic Realizations for Rock Orchestra by Synergy, which is uh, it's this electronic music album from 1975, and um, there's a piece on it called Legacy, and I don't know, maybe it just makes me think of that, which is a good piece, and, cause it's, it's, and it, it's kind of, in a way, sort of video gamey, um, but but also I don't know legacy the, that word just sounds sort of it sounds kind of just I don't know something about it seems like electronic to me and it just seemed fitting and also the, also the uh, double another or another meaning for it triple meaning is that it's like kind of like th- this music is did leave a legacy sort of you know what I mean like it it left a the, the big impression on people who grew up in, in the 80s and and 90s and you know it's just you know people can just always. You know, it just it's very nostalgic for people too. So there's there's that as well. You know, it worked for Tron, sort of Tron Legacy. Oh right, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny that that comes up a lot when if you search for Legacy Music Hour, there's like Tron Legacy stuff comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, make sure you say well, we have nothing to do with that because not everybody liked that movie. 
I don't know how you guys <laughs> felt about it. I didn't see it, actually. I saw the original Tron. Uh, that, I, I enjoyed it. The new I one? Enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I, I, I read a lot of bad reviews, but I had a good time. What can I say? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, on the on the other hand, Rob's never seen Total Recall, so I don't know <laughs> right. if you can really, you know, right. you know, take take what he says. Either one, the new one or the original. Right, I haven't seen either one, but that's on my list. You know, we should make an appointment. We should that. make an appointment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, Total Recall is one of my favorite movies, and uh, Rob hasn't seen it, so he's got to get on that, or we got to get on it together. Yeah, you guys should explain what you mean by that in an appointment, because people are wondering what what, what what do you mean appointment. They, it's kind of like what we do here when Joe and the rest of the gang here when we go watch a movie or we watch, reading comic books that's our show research that when you guys make an appointment that's your show research also right we came up with that term it was, I think it was on the air right or yeah, we were yeah doing our I show. think on the air was Rob made it up actually <laughs> we were just talking and, and we were talking about uh, getting playing together game, playing some games playing a game and I said yeah I said Brent I need to make an appointment with you to make that happen <laughs> and they kind of just stuck so we just yeah. make him out of appointments yeah like if we get some new games and we're like oh we should make an appointment <laughs> I mean, I guess what it really means is like get together, uh, video game related, but not podcast related. You know? Yeah. No. It is kind of research. It is research for the games, but it's also like let's get together and play games, basically. Right. But, but it sounds so much more more cool. I think. Yeah, it sounds so much more like official. Yeah. yeah you know, professional. <laughs> yeah, rather than saying let's like, go play games. We're professional about hanging out and playing games. Right. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. it's Brent Weinbach and Rob F., the host of the Legacy Music Arrow. Now, but before you were doing the podcast, both of you guys, you guys had other careers. What were you doing before you started the Legacy Music Arrow? Well, I mean, I, I, I was working as a stand-up comedian. I mean, I still still do, but um, stand-up comedian. Um, and, yeah, that's my job. Or that, that was my job, is my job. And, and, you know, doing acting work as well, you know. So actor, stand-up comedian. I mean, also, I used to work as a musician as well, um, like playing jazz music at restaurants and hotels and stuff. And, yeah, that, that's what I was doing. And I, I, I am also a stand-up comedian, doing a little bit of acting here and there. That's why I moved to Los Angeles. And as, as of last year, I've, I've, I'm uh, studying to be a barber, so that'll be something that I'll be finishing up. Uh, this year, so that'll be another another title that I'll add to the to the to the, the growing list of titles. I, I actually used to do uh, radio DJing at one point, and um, I used to play video game music on the radio. <laughs> and uh, that's actually was the original inspiration for doing the podcast. Was that you know I was uh, I used to do this, and you know I was just trying to expose this music to the, to the public more. And um, I, you know that was a that was a while ago that I did that. I mean it was you know I don't know. It was you know, like, I don't know, 12 to 15 years ago. And uh, I, I've always wanted to get back into that. And now that podcasting is a thing, it's sort of a way to sort of go back to, to that sort of radio DJing of video game music. Um, sort of, yeah. yeah. When you say you played it, did you play the whole song or did you just have it as a, you know, in the background as a music bed while you were talking? Oh, no, no. I, I played, played them just without talking. I mean, I, I played tracks, you know, just back-to-back tracks. Um yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was as if they were. Yeah, no, there wasn't background music. There, it was foreground music. <laughs> hmm, okay. Yeah. So again, that the, the Legacy Music Hour. You guys put, like you said, you posted up. When, what day do you post it? On the week when the new episode. Uh, Wednesday. Every, Every Wednesday. Wednesday. What systems did you play growing up, Henry? What's that? What systems did you play growing up? Uh, I had the original Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I think everybody did. 
at one point. Right. Um, I played Sega. Never got a Super NES. Thanks, mom and dad. Uh, I remember you guys mentioned the, the links when you were when we started talking. Uh, I remember that never had that one either. I remember that one, but it was me. It was mainly the Atari and and the uh, the Nintendo system, the original Nintendo system. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't we don't play uh, on the Atari music. Yeah, the, well, the music back like during the Atari years or the second generation years, it's not really. There's not really. A, it's pretty primitive, and it's not. There's not yeah. really a lot there musically. Well, you know, Henry, if you have a, do you have a digital watch? Yeah. Well, if you just press the buttons, you can kind of recreate that that experience for yourself yeah. if you want. You yeah, I was gonna I mean? say actually. The, I remember. I don't remember the uh, the Atari games having any music really. It's just the boop boop the beep. That that's it. Yeah, I mean, there was little jingles here or there, like you know, um, little jingles here or there. You know, like Pac-Man had a little jingle, I think. Yeah. And you know, Don- Donkey Kong had a little jingle here or there, but there wasn't any full fully you know, formed pieces of music. Actually, except for um, Load Runner 2, actually, for Atari, that, that actually did have a continuous, more of a, a thought-out piece of music, actually. That, that, I think, as far as, like, home consoles go, that, that's the earliest I've actually, I've, I've ever come across, is that's the earliest uh, instance of, I've found to be, like, a, a continuous, like, kind of more fully formed piece of video game music was, like, Load Runner 2 for the Atari. Yeah. Yeah, see, see, they know their stuff. So if you guys want to hear a lot of this stuff every Wednesday, go on there, either on the Nerdist channel or on their own, the LegacyMusicHour.com. Brent, Rob, you guys are welcome back anytime. And, you know, really, you're welcome back anytime. We'll talk video games and video, video game music. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, um, thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Henry. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Okay. Hey, it's Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn, and one of the original founders of Image Comics. And you're listening to Geek Speak Show. Thanks for coming. Liz kind of knows a little bit about toys from McFarlane Toys. Todd McFarlane there. So welcome back to the Geek Speak Show. One more person to talk to before we get out of here for this week. And that would be tonight, April 10th, as we record this on Wednesday. Travel Channel re- is the return of Toy Hunter Season 2. And the host of Toy Hunters, Jordan Hambrough, is on with us. Jordan, welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks Thanks for coming on. So the first thing I, I want to know is when did you officially become the toy hunter? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's actually, I, I like to think that I've officially been the toy hunter all my life. Ever since I was 16, <laughs> I was I was professionally dealing with, uh, you know, need the day and the day that it would probably be when the pilot aired on Travel Channel back last year. We aired in January, uh, January 19th, I believe. And uh, it was Toy Hunters. That was the pilot. And uh, it did so well that uh, Travel Channel was kind enough to pick us up as a series. And I've been buying and selling toys on TV ever since. Yeah, but, but like you said, like, like most of us, I mean, you, you were into toys and collectibles even before that, right? Absol- absolutely. I mean, I was, uh, I was a, a diehard collector and geek ever since I was a kid and Star Wars came on the big screen. Yeah, I think that's when I started to... Uh, so, so yeah. throughout your travels at, with with the show, what have been some of your favorite finds? The favorite finds? Oh my gosh, that's hard. Um, well, I could tell you, season two was is chock full of great toys, and, and I probably found one of my favorite finds uh, tonight on the opening. Uh, we went and tried to find something for Gene Simmons, and I found him a really rare Kiss van. It was probably one of the holy grails in the collecting community. Uh, for Kiss memorabilia, and I 
25 years is the only time that I've seen uh, I've seen two of them. And this was the second time I ever saw one. So that definitely was one of my uh, my holy grail favorite pieces to find. And uh, I would have to say, you know, going back to the pilot, the rocket fet, that rocket firing Boba Fett from Star Wars was still one of my all time favorites because I truly love that piece as well. Yeah, I remember that one actually, and I remember when when I was younger, I, I it was kind of a urban legend among uh, among us. Did, did it really exist? Did it not? But you know, yep. you, you found it obviously. Oh, I did. It was yeah. It was well. They were made. They were they were prototypes that just never got out. The big urban legend was people calling me and 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 getting on the community board saying, "I had that. I remember it coming in the mail." Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, is the mind and history plays tricks on people. None of them were actually shipped, but uh, you know what? It's a cool myth to go after, and I truly like uh, like it when people still keep that image alive and everything, that myth alive. Yeah, so we're talking to Jordan Hambro. He's the host of The Toy Hunter, returns tonight on Travel Channel for season number two. Now, Jordan, without giving any spoilers away and giving away some of the surprises, what can we expect in season two? Uh, everything is bigger. I mean, it's just, you know, we have a promo running right now on travel where we all talk about bigger, and it really is true. Um, we're going to bigger collections. We're meeting celebrity clients. We're going to these giant mega conventions and selling. We're going to auctions. I mean, you're just going to see Toy Hunter from the first season just pumped up. I, I like to call it Toy Hunter point two zero. 2.0. It's just, it's bigger and better than before. A lot, a lot more expensive toys, a lot rarer toys, and really the, the celebrity factor during season two is really going to hype it up to a new level, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah, you mentioned Gene Simmons in, in, the, in tonight's episode, as a matter of fact. Can you... Gene Simmons is going to be, Gene Simmons, we've got Danny Bonaducci from the Partridge family coming up, and uh, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We have a lot more great people lined up for season two. Yeah, and you mentioned conventions. We got to meet you actually at a couple of weekends ago at WonderCon, and, and I saw you filming. Uh, was it a segment there? Is that going to be in, in season two, or for, was that for something else? No, we were filming the show. So yeah, WonderCon will pop up during season two. So uh, you might even get a chance to see yourself. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll be on TV. You will. You're a star. Yeah, and I've always been told I have a face for radio. So ha, there you go. I'll be on TV now. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, and speaking of uh, at WonderCon uh, at the booth where you were at, one of my favorite toys that I never got was 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 right behind you, and that was the the GI Joe USS Flag. And now, now that's got to be one of one of the the biggest treasure hunts out there. I mean, right? It has to the be. The flag was great. We had, we found the flag during season two. The one we had was still in the box. And, you know, it was a perfect counterpart to the USS Defiant, which we had in the box as well, which also pops up in Season 2. Uh, they're fantastic. I mean, they're two of the largest toys done by, by Hasbro for the G.I. Joe franchise. They're absolutely immense. I mean, you get a flag in your living room. It's the size of a coffee table. Yeah, it is. Now, that Defiant, that, that was the, uh, what was it, the, the Space Shuttle, I think, or something like that? I, I, didn't yep. know, I didn't even know they made that. When, when did that come out? Uh, that came out later on in the run. That came out a little bit later uh, in the run. It was one of the last really huge ships to be done for, well, I can't say that because they're still making G.I. Joe ships. It was done in the 80s. Hmm. Yeah, that one. But I do remember the flag. Not having it, but wanting it, like I think everybody else right. listening did. Uh, so <laughs> anything that you found, whether on the show or just even before you started doing the show, that you found that you just had to buy because it, it needs to be in your collection? Oh, you mean to keep for myself? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it it doesn't happen a lot, but it does it does happen. Um, I actually just added, I, I'm happy to say, just finally added a Bionic Man uh, 
Bionic Bigfoot, $6 million man Bionic Bigfoot to my collection, which I've been looking for for a while. Hmm. So now he sits in my collection. I always wanted that for me. I wasn't going to resell him. Uh, and, uh, you know, I picked up some Star Wars figures, some carded stuff from, from England, from figures from England that I've always wanted. So that, that uh, that's, uh, you know, sitting on my desk right now. They're, they're in my collection. I don't have a huge collection, but the stuff that I do have, it's stuff that, like, I really, really wanted for a long time. What do you, what do you look for for your personal collection? What do you what do you look for specifically? Everything. I, I just I want something to appeal to me. I mean, my changes change all the time. Every year, like I kind of want something new, and, and my collection is always changing. Right now, I'm really hot on on Six Million Dollar Man. I'm really hot on Thundercats. I think it's just it's anything with that really edgy pop culture, you know, sort of that pop culture flair. Yeah. Evil Knievel is really hot right now in the market, so I'm actually picking up some Evil Knievel and putting that in my collection. Uh, you know, it, it changes, but I like, to, I like things that go back to my childhood. I like stuff that I can remember, and I, I'm just like everyone else. That's why, that's why Toy Hunter really appeals to everybody, because we all had this shared childhood when it comes to the toys we love. Now, all of you listening can go on the website, on, on, on the Travel Channel website, and, and on their web, on the uh, Toy Hunter website, Jordan's actually looking for collections. Is that one of the ways you find them, or how, how do you go about finding collections? The way, you know, it's, uh, um, thank you so much for, for saying that, because, you know, the TravelChannel.com, the Travel Channel website, is really becoming a destination spot for, for, for everything geek and pop culture right now. Because a lot of people don't even know that not only do we have casting on there, we've got all the new videos and, and all behind-the-scenes deleted scenes, and there's a huge forum up there, too, where collectors can get on the TravelChannel.com forum and talk about their collections and, and upload their images and everything. But TravelChannel.com is just one of the ways people can get cast on the show. They also can contact me directly through my company, HollywoodHeroes.com. And usually they send an email to Jordan at HollywoodHeroes.com, uh, or they go through Travel Channel, or they give us a call. And, and we go through all the emails, and we go through all the phone calls and screen them. It might take some time, but we will get to you. So just you know, sit tight and everything. Yeah, to save some time, what, what do you not look for in, in a collection? What would get somebody you know, not, not, not a response from you? Uh, well, we, we try to we try to respond to everybody. Um, really, what what you know? It's funny. I hate doing this. Care Bears are um, not Care Bears. Beanie Babies are really not on the top of my list right now. Uh, everyone's contacting me about Beanie Babies yeah. and Cabbage Patch dolls, and we pretty much covered Cabbage Patch and Beanie Babies are really really neat. They're just not they're not holding that intrinsic value and that dollar value that that we're we're used to seeing right now so um it might come in the future but i think right now in casting wise i don't really think i'm taking too many beanie baby submissions uh other than that everything is really fair play i mean i'm really really excited about um all the unique cool toys that are coming in and what's really interesting is is even after doing the show for two years people are still sending me toys that i haven't seen before and i remember i'm like oh my god i remember that stuff like a guy just sent me a toy the other day mattel's Sucker Man. Remember Sucker Man? Yeah. You threw him against the wall and he stuck on the window in the wall. It's a great toy. I'm like, I totally forgot about that. But the minute I saw the photos, I'm like, holy mackerel. It just took me back to being, you know, 12 years old again. Yeah. You just did the same for me right now. I, remember, I actually do remember those. I think I had one as a yeah. matter of fact. Um, so so the, uh, do you, when, when, they, when they contact you at uh, Jordan at HollywoodHeroes.com, do, do, do you want pictures or description or both? or how, how should they do that? Usually... 
usually, you know, that's a great question, too. People ask me, like, what what do you need from me, and and how can I get a response quicker? Usually what everyone has to remember, if they want to be cast on the show and they want to sell their collections, um, you, you know, we ask for a list of what you have and photographs, because a lot of people will contact me and they'll say, I've got a lot of toys, call me back. I really can't do phone calls because I'm on the road so much and, and we go through so many emails and, and some people will say, I've got a list of Star Wars toys from the 70s, call me back. But to, to really get a quick response and to really you know, get the ball rolling quickly, you would say, I've got a Star Wars toys from the 1970s, here's a list of what I have, and by the way, here are photographs. And that's really everything we need. Your contact information will help and what you want to do with the stuff. I mean, you know, a lot of times we get, folk, we get emails from people saying, can you, can you appraise my collection or can you tell me what the stuff is worth? And I, I don't have time to go through every collection. If it's one or two pieces, I can rattle off a number really quick. But when folks are hitting me with 50, 60, 70 pieces in a collection, it's something I just don't have time to do right now. Yeah, and this, uh, another big question, I don't know if you might want to answer or not because it's kind of peek behind the curtain, is what, how, do you, how do you select the ones that actually make it to the show? Uh, you, you know what? It's, it's a very, very uh, – it's a process that's above my pay grade. <laughs> it, goes through the, it goes through the production company, but I, I can tell you it, it's, not, it's not really that secretive. Um, we look for people that are in cities that we haven't gone to yet. And we usually try to group uh, collections in the city. So if we're going to go to Utah or if we're going to go to Colorado, we want to try and grab three or four people in Colorado because it just makes sense. We're, you know, we are Travel Channel and we love traveling around the country, but it doesn't make sense cost effect- to be cost effective if we go from Colorado to Jersey to Minnesota, you know, back to you know Texas or something like that. So we try to grab everyone in one area and we'll hit them in an episode. Uh, and then you know it's like. The collections, we look for things that are unique. We look for things that are maybe in really good condition and just stuff we haven't seen before. You know, and, and there's a lot of it still out there, believe it or not. We've been doing this two years. We haven't even scratched the surface of toys and pop culture memorabilia. Yeah, and last question for, for me. Is, is there any toy today, one of the modern toys, that you think later on down the road will be considered a, a classic? Monster High. I mean, I got to tell you, uh, in the past six months, I have seen so many people coming out of the woodwork looking for Monster High dolls. They're on the market. They're super, super cool. They're relatively inexpensive. I think they go for like twenty four ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine. And I really think if you put some of those away, you will be pleasantly surprised in the coming years. So you heard directly from the toy hunter, Jordan Hamber. Returns tonight <laughs> on, the, on the Travel Channel for season number two. Make sure you watch it and make sure you're there every week. So, Jordan, thanks a lot. Looking forward to season two, and you are welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. I'd, I'd love to. And just remember, tonight, not only do we have one brand new show, we've got two. So it's 9 to 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, and then it come back at 9.30 to 10 for another brand new episode of Toy Hunter. Double Only dose, on Travel Channel. Double dose of Jordan tonight, so make sure to tune in for Double that. dose of Jordan. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, Jordan, Thank thank, so thanks much. a lot. You're, you're welcome back anytime. All right, like take I said. care. It's time for the Geek Speak Show Book Club. <gasps> Our books are graphic novels. Tell us what your favorites are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com. And you have indeed, and this time around, I will go the Joel route and pick a graphic novel, not a book. It does have letters in it, though. It's uh, one of the cool ones, though. One, uh, 
the Batman's the Killing Joke, one of the classic Batman stories, Joker stories, actually. I mean, it's a Batman story, but this is more about the Joker. I'm not going to give it away for the one or two of you who hasn't read The Killing Joke, and if that's you, go out and get it. I'm telling you, you are missing out. This is definitely a very, very uh, important Joker story in the mythology of Batman, um, written by Alan Moore. Brian Bolland did the art and the colors. Richard Starkings was the letter on this thing. Richard Starkings has been on the show a couple of times before with his uh, comic Elephant Man. Um, but Killing Joke definitely is w- one of the best comic books out there, one of the best graphic novels now out there, along with Watchmen, coincidentally, also by Alan Moore. So that's my pick for this week. That's also the show for this week. And next week, everybody will be here, I think, and we'll get a couple more cool pretty guests that uh, I think one that we met at WonderCon, but plus some other ones that are, I'll just say sci-fi films. So you know how we always say, come on back next week and we'll speak more geek. Bye. The Geek Speak Show will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, follow them on Twitter at Geek Speak Show 1. That's the number one. Become a fan on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Watch special event coverage and the Geek Speak video show on YouTube slash Geek Speak videos. And listen to past shows in the archive section on thegeekspeakshow.com. A big thank you to the Geek Speak Show's content providers, GeekTyrant.com, Collider.com, Ramascreen.com, and MightyVille.com. The Geek Speak Show.